We're good? Is this working? We're good. Hey, thank you. Who was here in the first service? Okay. Why'd you come back? Did you have to be here? You have to, you have to be here. Hey, you don't. So uh, you can tell by the accent, it's a, it's a more pure form of English than the Americans, but obviously not as pure as yours. So uh, forgive me if I speak your language wrong. I mean, I'm learning this. We won't talk about French, though. <laughs> hey, uh, have you got Bibles? Show me your Bible. Okay. Isn't that cool? I, I mean, some people get upset with the fact that it's electronic. I just think it's really cool. Uh, as long as you read it. Like, if you got it, you now you can use it anywhere, anytime, any language, any version. you got it on a device. And the key would be you'd think that we'd be reading it more or not. So uh, 2008, my wife and I, I'm from New Zealand. My background is agriculture, finance, business consultancy, uh, church leadership as a volunteer, uh, just a bit of everything. 2008, God spoke to my wife and I about leaving everything and going to a new country. So that's really interesting hearing God. Actually, we're probably going to talk about that tonight, unpack it. So this is my team, Jen. Jen's with me this year. Stand up, Jen. And Katie, Katie's come all the way from England. Stand up. You got to turn around. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to help you. Um, so uh, tonight we're going to be talking through and unpacking some ways to hear God. So it'll be practical, real. You'll be doing it, and you'll hear God for yourself. So come if you want to do that. Anybody want to hear God? Yeah, I think that's the greatest key to walking with Jesus. How can you follow Jesus if you don't hear His voice? But he says, my sheep hear my voice. And you're a sheep. Some look like it more than others. So uh, we hear his voice. We just don't know it sometimes. So it's about recognizing how to hear his voice. And then we can follow that and make so much easier. So we'll unpack that tonight. Uh, but this morning, I want to talk about the war is over. So uh, that was, when was it? Was it the 11th of November? 11th of November. 11th of the 11th. And uh, just God's been speaking to me about season change, about transition. And then for me personally, he said, Andy, would you stop fighting? The war is over. And then we had the 100-year celebration. And it's like, oh, it's, it's probably a little bit bigger than just me. So who in the room is going through a transition? Which is change. Things are changing around you. Hands up high. Okay, hands down. Who in the room is, uh, everything's really stable, secure, comfortable, there's no pressure? <laughs> Are we just bless you to get saved? No, Jesus. <laughs> Isaiah 9.6, this is just to help you feel at ease. Isaiah 9.6 says, of the increase of his government and peace, so when you sign up to follow Jesus, you sign up to his kingdom, his government in your life manifesting inside of you, leading you. So when you sign up to that, it says of his increase, of the increase of his government and peace, there is no end, which means that it's continually increasing and expanding, which means that if you're following him, you will be continually in transition. Just relax on that word and just enjoy that. So the point is get used to it, get over it. The other thing is, 
if you are waiting until you get through transition and then you can breathe and then you can relax and then you can celebrate and then you can whatever that may get married and then you can forget about it. Do it now. That's why the kingdom is righteousness, doing what's right, peace, which comes from my identity in Christ. I don't have to perform for salvation. It's a free gift. And what's the third aspect? It's joy, which can be translated fun, which means you have to make that fun for yourself sometimes, especially when it's tough and difficult. There's always someone worse off than you. It's funny how you go to places, if you've ever traveled to war-torn countries, if you've traveled to places under oppression, you'll find some of them in the happiest, like they're happier than you are. And you get convicted. And it's like, how can they be happier with nothing when I've got all of this stuff and I'm miserable? Oh, it's because I'm British. <laughs> yeah. I'm from New Zealand. We're part of the colonies. I think we're still part of the Commonwealth, which makes us somewhat British. We pretend we're not. But when we visit here for the first time, oh my gosh, you've got the grass that we've got. You've got the sheep that we've got. You speak the language that we... Oh my gosh. English. Just don't tell anybody. Okay. So the war is over. Uh, If you're going through transition, get used to it. Uh, What I want to talk about is everyone's in transition. So it's not about whether you're in transition or not. You're in it. It's a matter of how do you manage transition well so you can partner with God, get the best out of it, and manage life and smile at least some days. And on Sundays mornings, because you're supposed to. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Isn't that what we do? It's completely fake. So just turn to your neighbor and say, really, I'm miserable. And it'll be better when he stops speaking. That's a bad declaration, unless it's true. If it's true, then it's going to help you because you know the truth. And then once you've, t- once you've embraced the truth, I'm miserable, then the truth sets you free. I can actually move forward then. So what was it 100 years ago, we had the end of the war. The day before, so on the 10th of November, which is a really, really good day because that's my birthday. And you guys forgot to give me presents this year, but that's okay. So on the 10th of November, there's trenches. I've got a trench and you've got a trench and we're shooting at one another. So when we've got a trench, what is my friend? Not you. My friend is my helmet, my body armor, the person beside me who's also trying. It's either kill or be killed, isn't it? It's all adversarial. It's all about this trench is here to help me to protect me. The barbed wire is my friend. Those missiles we're lobbing, all of that stuff, all of these walls, all these barriers, they are for my benefit. Then November 11th comes and is the armistice. Is that what the... It's like, you're no longer fighting, guys. Everything that was to my benefit yesterday is to my detriment tomorrow. Everything. If I am going to step into the future and succeed, I have to change everything. I've got to walk away from my French, my French. <laughs> got to walk away from the French. <laughs> that was just for you. Do you have a... No, I'm, I'm not going to make it worse. I'm not going to make it worse. 
I've got to walk away from my trench and turn my trench into a bridge. The person that I'm fighting against is now the person that I need to build with. And if I take the same mindsets into that relationship, I will never be what God's called me to be. Are you with me? So you're going through transition. It could be personal. It could be organizational. And it's probably national, like Brexit. So this is a political message. No, it's not. Get over it. Get used to it. There's change. What I do in the change determines whether it's actually beneficial for me or not. I want this to be. So I'm going to give you five keys. This is from my life, what God's teaching me right now. So I'm just breaking a piece of me off and giving it to you. Is that okay? Um, And I'm just seeing this is happening everywhere. So uh, here's a little story of what this looks like. But first, I want to read some context for you. This is in Proverbs chapter 11. Isn't it funny? It was the 11th of the 11th. And there's a scripture, Proverbs 11, 11. It's significant. So you remember that. It was the 11th of 11th. The war is over. Armistice Day. 11, 11, Proverbs 11, 11 says this. This is the Passion Translation. The blessing of favor resting on the righteous influences a city to lift it higher. What does war do? Devastates. There is not a single war that makes a city look beautiful. It's only after the war, when peace comes, that a city gets built. The blessing of favor resting on the righteous influence a city to lift it higher. Proverbs 11.10, the blessing that rests on the righteous releases strength and favor to the entire city. Proverbs 11. Ten years ago, God said, leave New Zealand, go to a new country. It turns out that country is America. I apologize for you if that's a problem for you. God sent me there. Not just to go there and go to some church, but go there to be a benefit and add value to that society. The city that he said is the city of Reading. Not reading, Reading. Last night, they screwed it up. Reading. Say with me, Reading. And say reading. It's just kind of it's a no-brainer. Reading is in England. Reading is in America. You can just look outside. You can tell. Here, it's England. It's outside. It's dull. It's gray. It's raining. In California, it's burning. So you know where you are just by the surrounding situation. So we're in Reading, California. God sent me there. And there's a grace on my life, whether I know it or not, to benefit the city. How do I know that? Well, because I just read it. The blessing that rests on the righteous. Am I righteous? How do you know? Is it because I have a really perfect life, perfect wife, perfect kids? No. No. My wife disagrees with me. It's not perfect. I'm righteous because of the gift of God. It's a gift, not what I could ever earn. It's a grace. He has given me righteousness. So I walk in righteousness, then doing what's right, not because of my incredible amazingness, in spite of the All Blacks beating everybody, except for Ireland and the French. Are you with me? It's a gift of righteousness. 
because I am his, I have a favor that rests on my life. There's a favor that rests on me that I get to benefit from this connection with God. But there's a favor on me that is for your benefit and not just yours. It's not about an institution of the church. It's about a community and it's about cities becoming fully alive. We're a citizen of heaven and a citizen of earth. We're supposed to be good citizens of both. And my citizenship of heaven upgrades my citizenship on earth. Which means what? If you're a good citizenship citizen of earth, you add value and you vote. If you're a bad citizen of earth, you don't vote. So if you didn't vote, just ask yourself why not and have that words with Jesus about how you need to change. That's a separate subject. I'm a citizen of both. <laughs> just laugh at yourself. It's easier to swallow this if you laugh. So for me, I go to Redding, California. God's gifted me with favor with business people. That means anybody who has a job. Business is simply the vehicle by which I add value to others. If you're a teacher, you're adding value to others. Money is just a certificate of value. So as I add value, there's, a, there's a, this exchange of value. You, you give me money as a certificate of value. You've added value to my life. I give you money as a certificate of value. That's simply business. And we obviously then structure that and do it intentionally in the realm of business. I know what I'm doing. I'm intentionally moving forward. There's a grace on my life that benefits the city. What does that look like in my city? We start heaven and business, which is really this crazy experiment to say, the miracles that I see from the pulpit, why are they not in the marketplace? Because I saw them with Jesus. So we have this, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. How do we see this? We start experimenting. Uh, we start running conferences. We start developing stories and testimonies of what God's doing so that now I can say, if you don't believe me, believe the testimonies. You don't have to believe what I'm saying, but now you can't deny what God has done and is doing. We start to see this where people love God, love business, but they're separate worlds, and now they're getting connected. I love my city. So what does the gift of God look like me benefiting my city? Here's an example. I run a conference without... Before me, Bethel wasn't running a heaven and business. They didn't have heaven and business because the grace of God in my life started that. Because of that, we have a conference. A guy called Brian comes to that conference. Brian, his business is buying malls, shopping malls across America and renovating them to make them a heart of a city. It's a great business. He loves God, loves business, but they're separate worlds. He comes to what we do, and the grace on my life activates this connection between his business life and his God life, so he realizes they're fully integrated. There is no line. So what does that mean? He starts to pray and invite God into his daily work, hear God for solutions and ideas and strategies in his workplace not just his quiet time. His company had been trying to buy the mall in my city for four years and had not been able to buy it. He comes, has this revelation. While he's at the conference, he has a dream about buying the mall and then walks into the mall and makes a declaration. Nine months later, it comes up for sale and they buy it. The highest or the largest purchase of commercial property in the history of our county. Then they start to pour more money into it to renovate it and make it even better. 
Is that good? Who likes shopping? Who hates shopping? Okay, for those that love shopping, even those that hate shopping, if you want to go, you have to go shopping every now and then because you're wearing clothes, correct? So at least you want to go to a place where you can get the clothes that you want, the food that you want. So you have a vested interest in a good shopping mall, not a bad one. Correct? So he brings in, and as a result of him coming in, the grace on my life results in him connecting with God in his business. They buy the shopping mall. Then he wants to bring in stores that hipsters and young people like, like H&M, Home Goods. Do you have Home Goods? Sprouts. you have Sprouts? In New Zealand, we just eat, like you'd feed sprouts to animals, you eat the animal. Apparently in America, it's a cool thing to eat organic food. In New Zealand, the food is organic. But we're talking about America. So sprouts, everyone loves it. There's a, there's a, there's a fast food chain called Chick-fil-A. Have you heard of that? It's basically a veg- vegetarian burger. It's chicken. But the point is they all love it. So what's happening? Because of who he is and what he's doing, they're investing millions into our economy. And now they're bringing these stores that people are like, about, even in church. It's like, really? It's a veggie burger. That'd probably kill me. What's, What's the point? The blessing that rests on the righteous releases strength and favor to the entire city. I could tell you story after story after story. I haven't done that, but there's a grace on my life acted a person that, can you see this? What happens if I'm upset and never release the grace of God on my life? If I got offended and shut down that conference, or I never took the risk and started, what would happen? That wouldn't have happened in the way that it did. It could have been delayed. God could have done another way, but he wouldn't have done it through me and my grace. The blessing that I have for the city gets cut off. Are you with me? What does that look like? That can work from two sides, from me or from someone else. We've done a series of other things in our city, and over this 10 years, uh, there's places where I've just got more and more frustrated. I'm trying to help you. Why don't you... Why don't you receive the benefit that I'm trying to give you? And gradually that frustration turns into resentment and anger and bitterness. And then you're no longer a blessing. Are you with me? Because I'm still in the trenches and I've actually occupied the trench. I'm now shooting against you rather than building a bridge with you. Do you think that's helping or harming me? Here's an example. September this year, this is how holy and good I am. September of this year, I have a conference, Building Business, Building Cities. We've got 200 business people from all over the world that are coming to my city. You know, one of them is managing a trillion-dollar asset company. It's just crazy what we get to attract into our city, and some of them stay. I have a panel for one session where I'm interviewing people on how their business is benefiting the city and the God interactions they have in the process. As I'm telling them that, uh, I just say, here's the context. The context is in my city, there's those that are for development, growth, change, and love it and see the benefits. There's those that just want to preserve, protect the past. It's like, let's get back to the old days. Like, well, you want horse and carts? Like, how far back do you want to go? I'm frustrated with that mindset. 
of just hold on to the past, preserve the past. We can preserve the past while growing because if we don't grow, our city will die. And so we had a, and I said, here's an example. We had a council member uh, who some a global architect designed a bridge, in our, a walking bridge in our community that brings thousands and thousands of people to our city every year. Is tourism good? Yeah, it brings all these people, providing it's the right tourism for the right things. It's great. They build their money. It's great for the city. It's great. But this council member was opposed to it. That's not a problem. That's their job, to work out pros and speak what they need to speak. But then it was passed, and in spite of it being passed, he refused to set foot on the bridge for years. That's fact. It's okay to share fact. Okay, but then I crossed the line. Out of my frustration, I said, that's just the spirit of stupid. Good, good pastor. I thought, oops, I shouldn't have said that. But I just carried on quickly. We have the session and a woman walks up to me after the session and says, Hi, Andy, uh, I'm Tracy. And uh, do you know the story behind that guy that wouldn't step on the bridge? I said, actually, no, I don't. It was before I came to Reading. She goes, well, actually, it's my brother-in-law. Okay, how do you feel? (laughs) And I knew, I knew it. You know, you know you screwed up when you screwed up. I said, I'm so sorry. I, I, I knew I shouldn't have said that. There was stuff in here. And she was so gracious. She gave me the gift of forgiveness. And I gave her the gift of repentance. It came on me heavily. That resulted in a connection with her where I got to go and spend time and hear the story behind what happened here connect with her. She gave gifts to my team and then invited me and my team to come and pray for their business, that their business would succeed and prosper in the city. Is this cool? This is this. This is Proverbs sixteen seven. When the Lord delights in your way, repentance, humility, he activates grace so even your enemies become your friends. Does anybody need some grace to be activated this morning? In you and in them. They become my friend to the point we go and pray in their business, connect with them, and then her husband takes me and my son and my father-in-law who was staying at the time, hunting for my son who's 14, his first pig. Anyone like bacon? So we were just harvesting bacon. It was a phenomenal family experience and memory for my son and my father-in-law. How did that happen? I'm trying to treat someone like an enemy. Grace got activated. My enemy became my friend and then promoted me to doing things I could have never done otherwise. Can you see this? You're carrying a gift and a grace on your life that if we don't deal with this stuff, then we will never... That grace won't be released to the people around us, the organization around us, or whatever. But there's things that are holding us back. So I want to walk up. What are those things, and what can I do about it? Are you ready? Yes. This means yes. This means no. It's English. Okay, so number one, uh, forgiveness. Forgiveness, forgive from the heart. Matthew 18 talks about Uh, Jesus is talking the story about a couple of people that were struggling with forgiveness. One got forgiven of a huge amount, 
but then refused to forgive someone of a small amount. So in the story, he says, they were handed over to the tormentors until they forgave in full. Are you catching that? Who wants a tormentor? Just think of a good English dungeon. That's what I'd probably imagine. Like, and the guy with a bag over his head and the guillotine. No, the guillotine's France. The English did it different. They'd kind of cut you, pull your guts out and stuff like that. Good English love. Handed over to the tormentors until you repaid or forgave in full. Then Jesus says, so will it be for anyone unless you forgive. Is it stop there? Forgive what? Because isn't that what our parents told us? You know, your brother steals your stuff. Forgive your brother. No. Forgive. No. Forgive or I will punish you. (laughs) Who grew up with that? That is not forgiveness. You hand it over to the tormentors unless you forgive from the heart. What's the key? I grew up with forgive because you have to, otherwise your mother will punish you. And I've applied that to all of life. And combined with love covers a multitude of wrongs. I've just got to forgive you, brother. Well, just forgive them. No. Love covers. It's true that love covers a multitude of wrongs, but so does money, position, and power. Ooh. So what does love do? Love covers, but love doesn't just cover. Love confronts a multitude of wrong without letting go. It doesn't avoid it. It actually builds a bridge, not a trench. And sometimes our forgiveness is just a trench being built. In order to forgive from the heart, I've got to allow what happened. I've got to acknowledge how that affected my heart. Because you cannot heal what you don't feel. So I've got to go back and I've got to say, okay, what actually happened? How did that affect me? What was lost or stolen as a result? And what are the lingering or ongoing effects? For example, in New Zealand, I had a godly, godly leader, but had some imperfections like everybody else. One of his imperfections was that whenever I, as a leader, I went to him with some, here's what I'm hearing God saying, or here's some things that I needed to confront he would turn it around and say, well, actually, but you've got insecurity and you've got this. So what it would do over a 10-year period, it undermined my confidence in my ability to hear from God. Oh, I forgive him. I just believe the best. No, number one, that's what he did. What did it do? It stole from me my confidence in hearing the voice of God. And so I partnered even more with insecurity. What was the ongoing effects of this uncertainty in believing whether I heard God or not? Do you think that affected me? When I really get to the core of that and say how it feels, then all of this anger comes out. I thought I'd stuff it back down. Quick, be English. Stuff it down. Pretend it's good. No. In order to move forward and transition well, I've got to forgive and forgive from the heart. And the only way to forgive from the heart is acknowledge what was stolen, the ongoing effects, and my partnership with judgment because then I judged him for who he is. So I need forgiveness and then I can truly forgive. 
Are you hearing this? Who's got someone they need to forgive? Who's got nobody they need to forgive? And everybody else, I don't just, your hands are held down. We don't lift our hands in this church. Yes, you do. I saw you before. So number one, forgiveness from the heart. I have to do it. It's for your benefit. And when you have truly forgiven from the heart, you give up the right to repeat the story. If someone comes to you and tells you again the story that happened to them a year ago, a month ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it's still got that pain and brokenness on the inside, they have not forgiven. She said, hey, I can lead you through this process. It's going to really help you. Are you hearing this? Give up the right to repeat the story. Number two, I've got to dismantle my defenses. Here, this trench, it was to my benefit. This body armor is to my benefit. This trench, this fence, the barbed wire, and my behaviors. What does the behavior of a soldier look like? They're creeping carefully through because they're not sure how you're going to hit them, how hard you're going to hit them, and what you're going to hit them with. If I carry that mentality into my relationships, I'm I'm not sure what you're going to do. I'm never going to connect with you. The only way for my grace to be applied to you, the gift to be, is if you receive me, the only way for you to receive me is if I come naked, metaphorically. (laughs) I have to strip off my self-protection mechanisms dismantle my defenses so that I move towards you. What does that look like? Where am I in avoidance? Where am I in denial? Where am I hiding in fear? Where am I turning my back, waiting to escape, circling the wagon, going through the motions? Whatever those behaviors are for you, I have to dismantle those defenses in order to move forward. So what is the things that you typically do. Oh, I just get busy with events. I was talking to someone today. That's what I do. I get busy serving people so that I don't actually have to connect with them because really I'm just ticked off with them and angry. So I'm just going to pretend by serving them. Would you like scones? Can I get you a coffee? I don't want to connect with you. I'm just going to serve you. Are you hearing this? But really I'm avoiding you and avoiding connecting from the heart. Because you hurt me. You did this. You guys are really quiet. I understand. It's okay. It's going to be okay. So, turn to the person beside you. Tell them what your favorite self-protection mechanism is. Go. Or perhaps you should tell them what their favorite self-protection... I, I don't I don't have any. I don't have any. Quick, protect your heart. Are you are you hearing? Is Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning? Good. So my pain is not in vain. So what's the next one? Dismantle How many times does the Holy Spirit have to say, I believe in you? I'm afraid I'm in my trenches. I'm protecting myself. I can't wait until I'm big enough and strong enough to run away from this painful situation. Get out of this city because the city doesn't like me anyway. 
And Jesus is saying, how many times do I have to say, I believe in you, move forward. Don't move away from the thing that I've sent you to, move towards it. But the only way you're going to move towards it is if actually you forgive and dismantle your protective mechanisms. What does that look like? For me, for 10 years, it's been a painful growth and learning journey in the city where I am. I told you the story about the bridge. When I moved towards her, it dismantled stuff and my enemy became my friend. The same in the city we're seeing happen. But it's the same. There's another organization that I work in. It's called Bethel Church. Has anyone been a part of a church before? Eastgate. It's not really a church, so it's okay. It doesn't, it's okay. It's called Eastgate. It's not Eastgate Church. So we pretend it's not a church. That's why you're really here, isn't it? Got issues with church, but Eastgate's okay. So because of some of the things that I experienced in my own journey and pain and history, I couldn't wait until either A, God released me from this burden and I can escape into freedom. Or B, we became strong enough and big enough in my own self-funded department so we could set up our own 501c3 trust and do what God's called us to do because they don't get us anyway. You would never do this, correct? God's saying, Andy, the war is over. You're not fighting to survive and exist. You've got to dismantle the defensive. This self-protection mechanism, because it's painful there, I just want to run over here. God's saying, Andy, I called you here for a reason. Part of the problems and challenges you face here is because your grace is not engaged there. And the more that you want to run away from it, the harder and more difficult it's going to be, not just for you, but for people that come after you. I've called you to be part of the solution, and the only way the solution is going to happen is if you dismantle your defenses and move towards it. Like, okay, you got me. You know all things. It's not fair. I can't hide from you. Isn't it Adam? Adam and Eve? Are you kidding me? You're going to try and hide from God behind the trees? <laughs> We're stupid. We're really not that smart. So I instantly, God convicts me. I realize, oh, I'm reacting out of fear and trying to protect myself. I need to move towards the very thing that's caused me the pain and the frustration. So I text my boss as Chris Valentin. So Chris is a visionary leader. So I say, hey, Chris, here there's some transitions in some of the, these other areas in this organization. Those are the ones that are causing me the frustration. I said, here's what's going on. I just want you to know, uh, if there's any way, uh, let me know, can I, if there's any way that I can add my strength to those situations. Just letting you know I'm here. He responds, one word, yes. Is my anxiety higher or lower? <laughs> higher. I feel like I just handed him a blank check with my signature and he said, thank you. He hasn't even told me how much. I'm like, oh my gosh, my life has ended. I'm going to be trapped in this organization. I'm going to just, just, would you stop it? Week and a half later, we connect and he says, I've got this board. This is what's going on. We've appointed somebody. But I wondered, would you be willing to be on the board? What's the point? 
that's an area of freedom and expansion and influence that would have never happened here. Are you catching this? I believe in you. If you believed that he believed in you, what would you do? If you actually believed. What if I believed that he does believe in me? What if I believed that the gift that I've got is to the benefit of the city? And I'm not fighting against you. I need to be fighting for you. The challenge is sometimes you don't see what you need someone to fight for. I've got to dismantle my defenses, move towards you, and let's see what God will do. Next point. What do you see? God's saying, remember your history. In the middle of your transition, remember where you've come from in the fingerprints of God, like the footprints of God through your life, the things that he's done. And you look around. When I forget that God is with me and God's provided up till now, then it's really hard for me to step forward. But if I remember, God did this, God did this, God did this, God did this, then it's offensive for me not to believe that he'd do it again in the future. So I start to look around. We're in a building. We've got 6,000 square feet. It's crazy. Favor. But the reason I've got it is because I connected with a guy, Dan. When we connected with Dan, he was on the board of a separate church in Reading. He's a business guy in town. He was part of the NASA space program. He's like a smart Christian. We connect with him, and he saw what we were doing better than we saw it. To the point he comes to me, grabs me by the shoulder, shakes me, and says, please, please, please let me be involved with what you're doing, because what you're doing is benefiting my children's children. Is that a good man? He's like my gatekeeper in the city. He's my man of peace. He's made a way for us that we could have never made for ourselves. It just so happens it's his building. There's multiple businesses in it, and it's in a commercial space. We go in there, and I start to realize, what do you see? You look around, you see a building. I see a friend. We got given some lights. I was asking for $1,000 of lights. It's actually $10,000 of lights that we got given. What do you see? A bank of lights. I see a friend. You see a perspex. Is it perspex? pulpit but Pete this pulpit was funded by a friend so whenever he sees it he sees a friend you're sitting on a chair that wasn't there five years ago where did the chair come from because of one of the friends of this community paid for the chair you're sitting on a friend it's kind of awkward What's the point? What do you see when you look around your life? What do you see? What are you looking at? Are you looking at a trench or are you seeing that person that used to be an enemy is becoming a friend because God's activated grace for me to move towards it? Finally, advance, enlarge, expand, take risk again, increase. It's part of the mandate of being a follower of Jesus. Where has God invited me into increase and I'm shrinking back because of my fear, failure, shame, whatever? What about you? The war is over. He's invited us into increase. There's a grace on your life that's available to benefit your city. But if we hold on to our stuff, 
they will never benefit from the gift of God on their life. Is this making sense? Okay, stand up. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you are even in England. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Jesus, that was me. Please don't, please don't get offended. I'm still working out this salvation thing. Jesus, thank you that you are here. Holy Spirit, thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth and then the truth sets us free. Let us not reject your truth and then not even step into the freedom that you have for us, which is a gift. So, Father, we come to you right now. Forgive us for holding on to stuff that has really only hurt us. And we just let go fear. We let go control. I let go the hurt and the pain of these people that have hurt me. Help us to understand and fully release forgiveness so that we can move forward. Holy Spirit, highlight the behaviors that we are hiding behind, that the world never gets to experience us because we're afraid or hurt or scared or offended. And the behaviors that protected us in the past actually hinder us in the future. Highlight that to us tonight, today, this morning, tomorrow. And Father, thank you that you're saying, you're shouting out, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. Let the pleasure of God be felt in this place. Let the affection of God be felt on every single life. And I bless you to prosper. I bless you to advance. I bless you to be all God's called you to be. I bless you to discover and experience joy in the process, not just at the end. I bless you to experience a God who is with you in everything. And Jesus, we want to know you more. Let grace be activated now to heal, to restore broken relationships, to heal broken organizations, and to rebuild a broken country. Father, thank you that we get to be a part of this and bring hope, life, and love everywhere we go.